so anyway, let's, uh, I'll start to do a short uh, Christmas series after next week. So this morning, this is really late on my heart last week. It uh, was pretty heavy on my heart. And this morning, the early service, I, I, I really sensed that God had something to say to us. Uh, my message this morning, as you can see, is God is near. God is near. And uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20, beginning verse number 1, Deuteronomy 20, verse number 1, notice what it says here. And I know this might be an unusual transition from, from Thanksgiving into Christmas, but, uh, but, but God has a word for us today. It says, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not, notice what he says, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be, when you're on the verge of battle, that the priest shall approach and speak to the people, and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint, do not be afraid, and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. You know, I, I, I pray that everyone had a good Thanksgiving. You know, again, the reality is this. There are those people who love the holidays, and there, then there are people who despise the holidays. And, and, and I would imagine this morning, even in a down uh, crowd, there are people here this morning that fit in one of those two categories. We either, we either overjoyed with the holiday season, the Christmas season, or we just can't stand it and are waiting for it to be done. Well, regardless... It looks like, as far as Thanksgiving goes, most of us survived. Now, you may still have stuff. I was talking to somebody in early service, and they said, yeah, we had all the family over, had a good, good meal and a good celebration. Now we've got to clean up from everybody. So, so maybe that's it. You know, that's part of the holidays. You, I enjoy. I'd love to see a mess just made from people coming over. You know, I'm a little bit OCD sometimes, um, but I enjoy company. I enjoy family. Uh, we had a great time with my family. I haven't done that in a while. Um, you know, and again, there, there are people that are excited. There are people that are not excited. Well, here's the thing. If you survived this past week, hold your, catch your breath because you know what? It's on. The next few weeks are probably going to be among the busiest of the year. And, and the reason I say that is if we're not careful, and I know I say it probably every year, if we are not careful, December can, can be a blur because we have so many things to do. Have you looked at your calendar? Have you seen all the dates? I mean, you think about it. I, I love this time of year. I'll be honest with you. I'm one of those that falls in that category that I love this time of year. I, oh, I don't particularly like the over-commercialization of it, but I love this time of year. Uh, I enjoy the fact that just about everywhere we turn right now, the sounds of the season proclaim His birth. Again, there's a lot to gripe about. There's a lot to be upset about. But everywhere we turn right now, the sights and sounds proclaim the birth of Jesus. You know, from Christmas pageants to Hallmark movies that have been going on since August, parades, right, they, they've been doing Christmas movies since August. You have parades and carols and parties and, you know, got all this stuff going on. Hear me, the images of Jesus being born are everywhere. I love the celebration of the season. Again, we can gripe and, and fuss about some things, but, but, but the reality is Jesus is prominent in many places. You can walk in the mall, and they're playing songs that glorify Him. Oh, they throw in a Frosty every once in a while and a, and a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Grandma got run over by a reindeer. 
you know, they throw those things in, but they're still singing, Oh, Holy Night and Joy to the World and all these things. That's the reality. Everywhere we turn, the sights and the sounds proclaim Jesus. But you know what? With that said, I'm a realist. I've always said for 30 years, I'm a realist. I like to talk about the hope of heaven. I like to talk about what we have, the blessings and favor that we have in God. But I'm a realist, and the reality is right now, all is not well this season. I, I would be naive to stand here and try to, prevent, uh, uh, to project to you that everything, uh, pardon my Alabama colloquialism, but everything is hunky-dory. Everybody know what hunky-dory is, right? Okay. I mean, think about it. We have a war that's going on, continuing in the Middle East, right? We have conflicts that are brewing all across the globe, turmoil in, the street, in our streets in America, turmoil in our homes. We have inflation and economic stresses that are being found, felt by so many people today. In fact, there are people today, they're parents that worry if they're going to have anything to place under the tree. And then you have others that are not worried about placing things under the tree. They're actually worried about uh, food. Are they going to have enough food to put on the table? And some are worried about, will they have a roof over their head? Again, this is legitimate for where we are in 2023. You know, Paul had it right. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, these are perilous times, perilous, troubling, upsetting days. You know, most people today are concerned about the future and what lies ahead. And it, listen, if we're not careful, we can easily become overwhelmed with all of it. We can become depressed. We can become anxious about many things and uh, because looking around, we see things that are not right. And again, I, I'm, I'm a realist, and I think that we ought to call it what it is. Um, but when life seems to be overwhelming, here's the thing. I always come back to the fact that God has a plan. If you don't get anything else I say in the message this morning, I want you to hear me that God has a plan. I, I mentioned this in early service, uh, that even the pandemic, you think back to 2020, and, and uh, it was... My last, uh, I, I flew down to uh, Corpus Christi to celebrate uh, J.R. Fields, Brother Fields' 100th birthday. That was the last thing I did prior to everything shutting down. And the whole world shut down. And you remember, I said it over and over again. Every Sunday, I talked about how God had a plan and that even the pandemic could not stop the plans and the purposes of God. It did not stop or thwart the plan that God had. It's still moving forward even today amid all of the chaos, all of the drama, all the trauma, all of the other stuff that's going on, God still has a plan. And so when life seems overwhelming to me and I want to kind of throw my hands up and say, you know what, what's the use trying anymore? I always come back to the reality that God has a plan. And, 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 and here's the thing, a thing I said this morning, somebody could tweet it, God's not confused or perplexed. He knows what to do next. I'm not a tweeter, so I don't know how to tweet it, but that's a tweet right there. God's not confused, nor is he perplexed. He knows what to do next. He's already got it laid out. You know, not only does God have a plan, but as the people of God, listen to me, God has a promise. And that's what keeps me going, is that God has a promise. He has promised what? That he'd never leave me nor forsake me. You know, and sometimes that, that flies in the face of exactly how I feel. You ever felt alone and isolated from God? See, it doesn't change the fact that God's still with you. It doesn't change the fact that he is, he is there. In fact, in, the, in, in, in our text, uh, let me try to unpack this a little bit. In our text, God 
lays out some instructions for Moses and the Israelites. And you got to understand, this is, this is instructions that are, giving, that, that are being given to a second generation of Israelites who are about to inherit the promised land. Now, you know what happened to the first generation, right? I mean, you, you know their story well. Their fathers and their mothers, mu- mothers, their mothers, <laughs> hello, father, hello, mother. <laughs> that was cranberries. <laughs> uh, their fathers and their mothers had, had been entrusted to go into the promised land, and yet out of disobedience, they, they, they disobeyed God, and so they lost their inheritance. Okay, so what happened to them? Well, they were, they were made to walk in the wilderness for the next 40 years. And, and so this generation is now about to inherit the promise, and they remember what mom and dad did. They remember the disobedience and their unwillingness to step out in faith and achieve what God told them to achieve. And so now they're not going to make the same mistake. They're ready to step into the promised land. But before they go into the promised land, the covenant is rehearsed and it's reestablished with this generation. The law is given a second time, which is the meaning of the word Deuteronomy. Here's a powerful truth. Every generation is going to have to embrace the plan of God for themselves. That was real back then. It's real right now. I've shared with you for 30 years my story of how growing up in the church and running away from home and abandoning everything that I, I, I was taught to believe in. The reason was I tried to live off my parents' faith. How many know you can't do that? Every generation is going to have to embrace the plan and purpose of God for themselves. We're not going to be able to live off of mom and dad's faith. And so every generation has to hear God's voice for themselves and and, and not only hear the voice of God, but live in obedience to his commands for their generation. So the law is covered almost, it covers almost every aspect of their lives. And, And in chapter 20, which is where our text comes from, chapter 20 is about war. W-A-R, it's about war. Moses has rehearsed the history of Israel. He talks about, in Deuteronomy, he talks about how how they got there. He talked about how the Lord delivered them and how their parents failed to obey God. And, And in chapter 10, he rehearses the law for them. And then we get to chapter 20, and Moses said, when you go out to battle against your enemies and you see horses and chariots, and people more numerous than you. Now, what is he doing? Again, Moses is a realist. Moses is saying, look, not everything is pie in the sky. Not everything is always going to go your way. And so when you go out and when you encounter obstacles and situations and circumstances that are against you, notice notice the counsel. I love what he says here. In times of trouble... In times of chaos, in times of great uncertainty, he says, when you feel outnumbered and outgunned, when you see all of the enemies coming after you with their weapons of war, do not be afraid. Isn't that good? Think about that. I mean, what a powerful truth. When you see the chaos around you, when you are uncertain about tomorrow, when, think, when, when, the, when, the, when the banker shows up at your house and wants to foreclose or the repo man comes to repo your car, he said, when you see all of these things happening, do not be afraid. Well, I mean, that's pretty good, right? It's easier said than done, huh? How many know that? It's easier said than done. I mean, because we ask things like, what, what do you mean don't be afraid? I mean, how am I going to pay this month's electric bill? 
How am I going to provide groceries for my family? How am I going to, how am I going to do this? How am I going to meet this obligation? I need a, I need a procedure done with the, uh, with the doctor. How am I going to do that? What do you mean, don't be afraid? How do we keep on keeping on when all we see around us is trouble and chaos? Well, Moses doesn't stop there. Moses goes on and he says, do not be afraid of them. Why? For the Lord your God is with you who brought you up out of Egypt. Well, we, we don't give that a lot of thought. But there's no place that I can be, there's no time that I can be that God is not with me. Sheila and I went down to my family in Alabama and Mobile. We hadn't done Thanksgiving with them for some time. And so we, uh, kids were going to be scattered or what have you. And so we decided we're going we're gonna to go down. So we flew out on Monday to go down to be with my family and have Thanksgiving with my siblings. My parents are deceased, uh, but I still have a brother and three sisters and uh, 500 kids that they have. Um, oh, it seemed like that. <laughs> and so we get, a, we get out uh, Monday, we get on the plane, and, we, and that, that was right after that front came through. And so as that front's moving through, we're flying out of Dallas, and we're having to, we're having to fly through it to get above it. And I've flown a lot. I've, I've flown around the world a number of times. And, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm looking at Sheila, and Sheila's looking at me, and she's like, I don't like this. And I'm like, I don't know that anybody on here likes it because that plane was doing this, and a couple times it did this. Just to, you know, I thought I was in an F-16 there for a little bit, just, you know, and, and it was pretty rough. And I thought, man, we're going to meet Jesus. You know what? He was with me. He, he was with me. There, there's no place, and that's what Moses is trying to get them to understand. When you go into the land, when you inherit your promise, there's going uh, to be opposition, number one. There's going to be trials and tribulations. There's going to be hardships that you're going to encounter. He said, but when you go in there and you do that, don't fear, because he's with you. He's with you. You know, throughout the Old Testament, God revealed himself in many different ways, and, and, and in fact... Um, one of his names, when Moses was called by God to go and be a deliverer, remember, he said, who do I tell them who sent me? Who, what's your name? Remember what he said? He said, you tell them I am. The I am has sent me. I like that. Because he's what I need when I need him. He's, he am. He is. <laughs> and, and, and Warren Wearsby writes in his book, The Names of God, Warren Wearsby says, every name that he bears is a blessing that he shares. And, and so one of the covenant names of God is Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is near. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is near. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now think about that. Amen. When faced with uncertainty, we need to remember Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is near. When I'm on the mountaintop and everything's going my way, he's near. When I'm in the valley low and nothing could get worse, he's still the God who is near. And that's the message that we see because right now you might be living in the midst of chaos. 
Everything you touch may fall apart. Maybe, maybe things are happening right now. Your health is not good. Your family relationships are not good. You're, there's more fighting and, and, and hollering than there is harmony in the home. Maybe your health is failing you. Maybe your finances are, are, are off, off track and just things are not good right now. God just sent me today to tell you that Jehovah Shammah is still the Lord who is near. And that if you'll grab hold of that, don't be afraid of the things that you don't understand. Go ahead and trust God through it all. Amen, it's a good place to do that. Go ahead and trust him. Moses reminds them, and I love this. Moses is reminding them, saying, hey, look, the same God who brought you out of Egypt, the same one who broke the wheel of Pharaoh, the same one who brought Israel out with a strong arm, the same one who parted the waters at the Red Sea, the same one who allowed them to cross over on dry ground, the same God who provided manna in the wilderness, and the same God who gave them water from a rock is the same God that will be with them when they face the enemy. And it's the same with us today because he is immutable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God was with you yesterday, he'll be with you today and forever. That's Jehovah Shammah, the God who is near. Listen, sometimes we just need to go back and remember what God has done for us. You know, the thing I love, again, so many things, but one of the realities, as I said, is God always has a plan. He always has a plan. He's never caught by surprise. Like I said, during the pandemic, God's plan was never stopped never slowed down. There was revival taking place around the world. Even with everything shut down, God's spirit was still moving over the face of the deep. God's spirit was still striving with man. Even when everything else was shut down, God has a plan. I mean, think about it. I was reading in history one time about the Great Depression. You know, and, and here's the thing. As Christians, we don't get an exempt card. You ever, you ever notice that? We don't get a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. We don't have an exempt card that says if you serve Jesus, you'll never have a bad day, another bad day or you'll never experience another disappointment. We don't have one of those cards. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have difficulty. It rains on the just and the unjust. So during the, during the Great Depression, it was tough. It was tough on everybody. I mean, Christians were in the soup lines like everybody else. Christians lost their jobs like everybody else. Christians struggled and churches struggled to make ends meet and to help those in need. But you know what happened? When the Great Depression was over, there were still Christians. There were still churches. There were still people praising and preachers preaching and souls being saved and songs being sung. It was still happening. God brought the people through and he did it then and he'll do it now. He'll still do it now. We need to remember what God has already done. How many of you could say unequivocally this morning that God's been good to you? Amen. We have to remember that my present suffering, my present difficulty doesn't negate the fact that, Je that Jehovah Shammah, the Lord, is near me right now. The same, the same God who came through for us time and time again will not desert us now. The Imperials used to sing a song years ago. Well, they sang a song back in the 80s. Said, he didn't bring me this far to leave me. He didn't build me up to let me down. He didn't teach me to swim to let me drown. Listen, he, did, he didn't give us the victory so that we can wallow in defeat right now. He didn't give his only begotten son on an old rugged cross for us so that the struggles of life would take us out. He didn't do that. Don't be afraid. 
The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord is near. God is near. And when you're hurting and you don't know which end is up, rest in the fact that you're never. I love Isaiah. I know it's a different uh, context, but I love Isaiah 59. It says the arm of the Lord is not short that he cannot reach and his ear is not deaf that he cannot hear. You're never outside of the, the reach of God. You're never outside of his view. The Bible says not one sparrow falls that our heavenly father doesn't take notice of and, and he even has the hair on our head numbered. If he, play, if he pays attention to that, that minute detail of our lives, how much more does he care about those things that weigh heavy on us? In verse 2, Moses continues on in our text. With our, he, he continues on instructing the people. And he says, look, when he, he says, and again, he's a realist. It's like me. I, I, I love vision. I love talking about dreaming, big dreams. Listen, if you have a dream that you can do on your own and not need God, that's not God's dream for you. Listen, if, we, if we're going to step into God's dream and God's vision, it has to be something that scares us to death. It has to be something that is so gigantic that unless God comes through, we're going to fail and fall flat on our face. That's the vision. He says, look, again, I, he doesn't paint this rosy picture. He's just very real. He said, look, you're on the verge of a battle. And when it looks like everything's about to hit the fan, what happens? God sends a word of hope and encouragement. Isn't that good? I don't, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but some of the toughest, toughest battles I've ever fought, I've always been at a place where I'm at my lowest and either somebody comes by somebody calls or a song pops on the radio and it just pulls me up I don't know anybody have that experience besides me I've shared with you before I don't have time to really get into the nitty-gritty of it but 1994 Sheila and I had a real rough year in our marriage she can be a little bit much uh, <laughs> don't throw anything at me <laughs> It, it was a tough year. I've, I've, been, I've been very transparent. I've shared that story with you before. And, and at my lowest, when I didn't think things were going to happen, we were pastoring here. But Sheila and I struggled with some things that are too more than I can share in this sermon. But in that lowest point of my life at that moment, a phone, my phone rings from a lady that was in our church that we uh, oversaw in a uh, pastor uh, pastored in Germany uh, when I was in the military because of what I did we I didn't really have a, a, a job I, in NATO there's a lot of restrictions I don't have time to go into that but I didn't really have a lot of I didn't really have a lot to do and so God opened up and they used to joke with me that I was a missionary paid by the government because I was on assignment but again I couldn't really do what I was trained to do a lot so we pastored this church at Simbach Air Base outside of Kaiserslautern, Germany. There was a lady, there was a couple in there by the name of Ron and Brenda Paul. They were incredible people. He was a senior NCO, uh, older, great people. She led worship, great prayer warrior. We left Germany in, in, uh, in 90, kind of lost contact. That was before social media, phones, things like that. We kind of lost contact. And, and then we kind of made some contact. We saw them once. And anyway, so I'm at my lowest point. 
nobody knows what's going on with, with us. And I get this phone call, and it's Brenda, Sister Brenda. She said, and she always called me pastor. You know, she was, I, I was in my 20s, and she was probably in her upper 40s and 50s. She called me, she said, Pastor Mike, she said, I was in my prayer closet. And God told me to call you and just let you know that he sees you. And I'm praying for you. That's all it took. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is near. When I could not see him myself, somebody on my behalf saw him and said, I need to tell you. You know, Dr. Michael Richardson that's preached for me actually in January of this year. I've shared that with you too. When Sheila had her stroke in 2012 on that Wednesday, I'd gone out of the hospital to, 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 to just get away. I needed to get away from the hospital, not sure what's going on with her. And I'm sitting in the Chinese restaurant in Burleson, Texas. And I'm still crying. Don't know what's going to happen to my wife. I'm, I'm, I feel alone. I, 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 honestly, I felt abandoned. Because see, in our mind, our sense of justice is if I serve the Lord, then things ought to go well. Isn't that, isn't that the way we think? And I, and, and I was having problems reconciling that, and I didn't know what was going to go on. So I'm sitting in this Chinese restaurant, not really hungry, but I needed to get away from the hospital, and my phone rings. Hadn't talked to anybody other than people here at the church, and it's Dr. Mike. It's Mike. He said, hey, brother. You know Mike, you know his big, loud man. Hey, brother. I don't know what's going on. God, called me, God told me to call you and tell you it ain't over yet. All he said. It ain't over. Jehovah Shammah, the God who is near. The God who is near. What I'm saying this morning, he, Moses is a realist, and he said, look, guys, you're, you're on the verge of a battle. And when it looks like everything is falling apart and, 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 and everything's about to hit the fan, God sends a word of encouragement through his spokesman. I love what he says in verse 3. Moses, Moses tells the priest what they're to say. First of all, the priest were to remind them that the battle is imminent. Notice what he says. And he shall say to them, hear, O Israel, today you're on the verge of a battle. Now, now this, this is not about denial. There are people today that will deny the existence of the warfare that you and I are in. There are people today that will try to convince you that, that if you have uh, a crisis of faith or if there's something going on in your life, that somehow your faith is inferior to somebody else's. But here Moses is saying, look, tell the people the reality of the situation. It's not about denial. It's not about sugarcoating the obvious. We are in perilous days. We can't hide from it. We can't wish it away. We can't bury our heads in the sand and think everything's going to be okay. What are the preachers to preach? Well, it's not about Superman and the spiritual lessons we learn from Superman. Don't get me on my soapbox. I'm sorry. The preachers were to preach. Here's what he said. Today, this is what the preachers are to say. Today, you are on the verge of a battle with your enemies. A preacher was to declare the reality of what's going on. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't make it out to be something it's not. Just tell them the reality that you are on the verge of a battle. I would say it differently, that today we are in a battle right now. 
Who are these enemies? Well, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 that they are principalities, they are powers, they are rulers of darkness of this world, and they're spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the enemy that we're against. All of this chaos and all of this conflict and divisiveness that we see in society, there is a spiritual component behind it. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality about all of these things. That's the enemy. The spiritual forces right now are set up in battle array against the church, against God's word, against his holiness and morality and compassion. And that's the battle that we're fighting. And you know what? It saddens me to say that there's church movements, church movements that are falling like dominoes to the God of this world. He said, you go out there and you tell the people that they're on the verge of a battle. I'm here to say, church, we're, we're fighting. And I'm not so much hyping the, the spiritual warfare that we're in. I'm saying you may be in the fight of your life right now. Maybe you've gone recent to, recently to the doctor, and the doctor said there's nothing medically that we can do. Or they might have said it's terminal. Or the bank says we've got to foreclose on you. Or, or your, your, your car just broke down. Or it was repossessed. Or what? There's a battle going on. Some people are enjoying the holidays right now, but there are other people that are singing the holiday blues because things are not well for them. That's the reality. The priests are to declare the reality of the battle, but I love the thing, the thing I love about the Bible is it doesn't just tell me the reality, it also gives me hope. See, because now he speaks words to inspire. He's telling them the reality. Hey, you're going to have some, there's some battles coming. But here's the reality. Do not, verse 3, do not let your heart faint, do not be afraid, and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. Why? For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against the enemies to save you. That's it. How incredible is that? I've got God for me. I've got Jesus with me and the Holy Spirit living on the inside. How in the world can I lose? How in the world can we lose with, with, that, uh, with him on our side like that? You know, again, notice the exhortation not to panic. The priest are to say, don't let your heart faint. Don't be afraid. Don't tremble or be terrified because of them. Listen, I, I just came to say today on this transition Sunday, a lot of people still traveling in, a lot of people, again, whatever, whatever the situation is right now, I, I just want to tell you, don't tremble or don't be afraid. No matter what you're facing today, God is still Jehovah Shammah. He's still the Lord, the one who is near. Whether you're up here or down here, he's still near. He's still near. You know, the priests were to remind the people that the Lord, our God, is he who goes with us to fight. I think sometimes we get so frustrated with life because we try to do by muscle what God is determined to do by miracle. Amen? We try to do what God has reserved for himself. All through Scripture, we're told the battle doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. It's his fight. Jehoshaphat goes with a, gets an intimidating letter from the enemy and says, hey, we're going to wipe you out. By the way, the enemy's still giving letters, right? We're going to wipe you out. What does he do? He goes to church, goes down to the altar. He lays that letter out on the altar. He's like, God, what do I do? We're outnumbered. We're outgunned. I love what God said to him. He said, hey, I'll tell you what to do. Why don't you get, uh, why don't you get your people together and have a praise party? Why don't, you get the, why don't you get the people together and have a worship session? 
And that's what he did. He, he said, look, you, that's where he said Judah. Judah's to go. Let Judah go first. You put down your sword and you put down your shield. You take up your trumpets. You take up your tambourines. You take up the musicians. You put them out. You send them the battle first. And they go out and God accomplishes a great miracle. See, sometimes we just need to, sometimes we just need to stand and see the salvation of God. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, what will happen? He will raise up a standard against him. Not my job. How many times? I wish I, 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 we'd be here a long time, try, me trying to tell you how many times I've tried to fight the battle by myself. There's something innate in us human, uh, human beings that we feel like we've got to control the reins. You know, it's our remote. We click the channels. We steer this thing. Well, sometimes you can't. I get so, so upset with modern Christendom in the Western culture. We have prophets and prophetesses and apostles, and, and, and every message is the same. They promise you a windfall. I saw several come across my feed this week, and they were promising, now's your time. You're about to hit the mother load. Your ship's about to come in. Listen, I've told you for 30 years, it ain't coming. Your ship sank. It's not coming. <laughs> And so many people are waiting for that. I'm, I'm telling you, when you go through the fire, when you go through the flood, there's no reason to fear because Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is near, is with you in the good times and in the in-between times and in the bad times when nothing is going right. He's still the God who is near. And that's the message we need to hear. That's what the priests were supposed to be saying. None of this, I'm not knocking, please don't read between the lines, but but, but we, we, we have sermonettes for people in bassinets. And we wonder why people can't, 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 can't deal with the realities of the battles that we're fight, fighting right now. Well, we rather, we'd rather, I'm not even going to say that because it's being broadcast. I love Revelation tw- chapter 5. It's John's translated into heaven. And in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, And I saw at the right hand of God, him who sat on the throne, a scroll. I saw, I saw in his hand a scroll that was written within and on the back side, and it was sealed with seven seals. Now, that scroll represents the plan of God for humanity, God's plan. It represents the future for God's people and the judgment that is to come upon the earth for those who have rejected God uh, and their people. And, and, and so... So John sees this, God on the throne with this scroll with seven seals. Verse 2, he says, uh, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, asking the question, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loosen the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the scroll, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open the seal and to read the scroll or look thereon. Why was John weeping? He was weeping because, and he was, he was really weeping. The word is very strong, like sobbing. The reason he was weeping is because if that scroll was not unfurled, then it meant the plan of God for humanity would not be unleashed. So what does that mean? It means that things will always, would, would have continued on over, the same thing over and over. See, Paul said it like this. He said, in the, if in this life only we have hope, of all men, we are most miserable. In other words, if this is as good as it will ever be, we're in trouble. 
Because there are some people that things are incredibly well. There are some people that things are incredibly bad. I have hope beyond this. I have hope beyond this. I, I would love in this life for my wife to be able to get out of this wheelchair over here and walk. But I don't know that it's going to happen in this life. But I do know one day she'll get a new body. I think about Max just a couple weeks ago, Montgomery, lost his leg. One of the things Duana said, she said, he's whole. He's whole. Got a new body. See, that's hope. And John was weeping because if there was nobody able to unloosen, unloosen the, 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 the seals, then the plan of God would not move forward. John knew exactly what it meant. If this is all there is, then we should weep. If what you're dealing with right now, there's no hope for things to get better, you should be crying as well. But thank God the story doesn't stop. It doesn't end there. Verse 5, John, John goes on, he says, And one of the elders said to me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed. Who? He's prevailed to open the scroll and to loosen the seven seals thereof. And I beheld... He said, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood the Lamb, as he had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which of the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came, and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat upon the throne. Now listen, thank God this morning that the Lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. Did you get that? He's, there's no battle in the future to decide who rules the universe. The lion, that was, uh, that the, the lion has prevailed. The lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, he is prevailed. He loosened the seals. He unleashed the plan of God. And it's been moving forward since then, and it will not stop until he's done. Doesn't, and, and that speaks on a, on a universal level, and it speaks on an individual level. God created you with a plan and with a purpose. And up to this point, you may not have tapped into the purpose for which you are here, but I promise you God's plan is without repentance. His calling is without repentance. And if you will follow God, if you will honor God, if you'll walk in that covenant relationship, He'll make a way where there is no way. He'll unfold that plan, unfurl that plan for you, and you'll tap into the abundant life that Jesus said you could have in John 10.10. That's what it means right there. Thank God He's prevailed. God has a plan. And that plan has already been put in place. It's working itself out, and there's not anything. I mean, think about this. There's nothing that can be done. No king, no president, no senator, no world leader can stop what God has purposed to do. Thank God. Thank God that you and I are on the winning side. Guys, come on back as I wrap this up. Listen, I... On this transition Sunday, I just wanted to tell you today, no matter where you are, maybe you're on this spectrum over here that you really don't like the holidays, you tolerate them. Maybe you're over here and you're like a kid and you've got, man, your, your house is decorated like Whoville. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and man, you're just thriving. Well, good. Maybe you're in the middle. Maybe you're Maybe things couldn't get any worse. Maybe things couldn't get any better. Wherever you are on the spectrum, whatever you're facing, whatever challenge, don't lose heart and don't give in to fear. God is with us and he'll fight for us. There's battles. And I, again, I'm, I'm going to be the priest of Deuteronomy and say that be prepared because the battle is coming. We're in one right now. We're in, we're in a battle. 
I don't want to be a statistic of a church that fell to the gods of this world. There's battles. We're going to fight. We're going to fight emotional battles. We're going to fight our, one, one of the major battles is we're going to fight our feelings. You know, they used to sing a song about hooked on a feeling, right? There are people that allow their lives to be dictated by their feelings. That's a battle. Because sometimes, sometimes my faith has to override my feelings. He'll make a way. He's Jehovah Shammah, the God who is near. Listen, he's already put the enemy under our feet. Did you know that? I'm not under his feet. He's under my feet. He doesn't have authority over me. I have authority over him. The Bible says resist him and he must flee from us. No option there. You know, and, and, and he's called us and enabled us, equipped us to walk in victory. Listen, it might get rough. It might get tough. But I've got a feeling that everything's going to be all right. Because Jehovah Shammah is still on the throne. He's still the Lord who is near. So if you're going through some battles, if you're fighting things right now, I'm telling you, don't be afraid. Don't let your heart faint. Don't tremble because of it. Call out to the one. I, I, I love this. I'm closing, I promise. I'm, let me go ahead and shut this down so you know I'm closing. I, it's closed. I can't, I can't. I love the fact that all I have to do is call. And he hears me. And I think sometimes we get caught up thinking that we have to wax eloquent in, in theological terms. We have to articulate really, really well for God. No, Peter was sinking and he just said, Lord, Lord, save me. And he just, and the Bible says immediately. Paul said that there are times when words, can't, we can't even express what we feel inside. And so that the Holy Spirit pray, prays through us with groanings, words that cannot be uttered. That's all right, because he knows. He knows because he's near. Not only does he know, he's able to do something about it. So again, I, 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 wanted to do, I was going to do a Christmas and skip next week and just do a series through the month of December, but this was heavy on my heart this, this past week because somebody needs to know. Again, if you don't get anything else, I say Je Jehovah Shammah, learn the name of God, the God who is near. He's not near me when things are well and, and far from me when things are bad. He's near me no matter what. Through the deep, dark valleys of life, he's with me. Would you stand with me this morning? You know, oftentimes, you know, I, I get a chance to talk to folks about faith and matters of faith and Every once in a while, somebody say, well, why do, you, why do you serve the Lord the way you do? Why do you love God the way you do? Well, you know, number one, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You know, the world has given me its best shot, and I found it wanting. It didn't satisfy. It didn't help. It didn't give me an anchor. Because, see, what, what the world has, offers today will change tomorrow. What the world says today is what is needed will change tomorrow. But I've, I've tapped into something that is consistent. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, when I ran away from home, when I rebelled against what I was taught to believe, God didn't move. I did. 
He didn't walk away from me. I did. He didn't abandon me. I abandoned him. But even in my abandonment, he was still near. So that in the barracks in San Antonio, Texas, all I had to do was cry out to God, and he was there. I'm I'm just saying this morning that I've, I've tested him, and I've proven him to be real and to be who he says. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. That's how I feel. Take the whole world. Just give me Jesus because he's enough. While we sing this morning, if you're here, and I I, I really believe this is a time. If you're here this morning and you, you, you need God to do something in your life today, would you just come? Again, I... I I truly believe that altars alter us. I'm not saying he can't do anything there at your seat, but I think there's something powerful about a a decision that we make to step out and to step down and say, God, here I am. I need you. Maybe it's just saying, God, I just need, need you to remind me that you're near. Maybe you're being tossed about right now. God sent me today to tell you that he's near. He sees you. He sees your affliction. He sees your heartache, your disappointment. He sees all that. And he's near you. And he'll bring you through. So as we sing this morning, or if you need prayer and anything else, while they sing, would you come down? This is, a, this is your time right now. So while we sing, would you come this morning? Would you let us come and pray with you today? You've been down long enough. No more walking in shame Cause the way that he loves you Isn't something you can change You've been running in circles But you can't hide from grace Cause the way that he loves you Isn't something you can change Just like Lazarus out of that grave God rewrites history. Jesus, you change everything when you pour your spirit out. Just like Silas singing with Paul, grace can break down prison walls. Jesus, you can't have it all. Won't you pour your spirit out? Pour your spirit out. Pour You can rest in his presence, you can trust in his name, cause his burden is easy, and he's perfect in his ways. You can run to the Father, but you can't hide from grace, cause his arms have been over.
That's the answer right there. The answer is always Jesus. Always Jesus. Coming up just a tad, Josh. It's always Jesus. I want to say this this morning. I know I want people to continue praying. Listen, you may feel like you've run so far away from God that He can't reach you. Number one, that's 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 a lie. God's arm's not short. He can find you in the depths of despair quicker than you can say amen. 
So don't let that be a hindrance to what God's wanting to do in your life. Listen, we sin, we fall short of God's glory, and the devil will beat us over the head, making us think that somehow God has given up on us, he doesn't care about us. I'm telling you, that's a lie from the pit of hell right there. His arms open wide right now. Whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. Church, we win. We win, no matter what. We win. Walk in that covenant relationship. Walk in that covenant relationship. Refuse to give space to the devil because greater is he who's in you than he that's in the world. He is Jehovah Shammah, the God who is near. Father, today, thank you. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Lord, may we grab hold of that truth today. Number one, that we are loved by you. You are a good, good father. That's who you are. And we are loved by you. That's who we are. Lord, may we grab hold of the, tr the, the truth today that you are Jehovah Shammah. You are the God who is near. You are near us right now, near the brokenhearted. Lord, you're near those who are of a contrite heart. Lord, you're with us in the good times and the difficult times. May we walk out of here with that truth. May it be cemented in our lives. And Father, I pray that we quit running and that we just throw ourselves on your mercy and your grace because you're enough. Lord, take us out of here. Lord, determined to walk in victory. Guide the steps every day of victory in your name. Father, we thank you. Make that crooked way straight. That battle that we're in, may we rest, be still, and know that you're God as you fight our battles. Lord, bring it to a swift end is our prayer. Take us out of here today. Give us a great week in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Thanks for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much. You can rest in his presence. You can trust in his name. Cause his burdens ease And he's perfect in his ways You can run to the Father There's no reason to wait Cause his arms have been opened And that's not something you can change Just like that